My name is Daniel Resnick, and this is the Getting Out of the Way podcast, where we will be integrating the psychedelic experience. Share whatever you're comfortable with, first and foremost, and whatever pops up. Don't try to kind of manipulate it. See what's naturally just coming up from the experience, and that's kind of where you start, and the rest will flow. You know, the rest will just come. So, Okay. Share what I you mean, can. I'll, I'm going to try. I, it's starting. You mentioned the next day. It's you're able to download it in a little bit of a better way. What's been where I noticed that is the order of things. I kind of started to see the, the pattern of where it started, where it took me, where it really, you know, fought me, and I where I surrendered, where I accepted, and then where those last two hours where you're kind of more in control, where I uh, try to dig deeper for insight. That was kind of the. Um, the order. Um, <clears throat> the first hour, I would say, was was very nice. It was. I think that's where the intention was kind of tackled very early on. You know, I was looking for for a path, where to go, where to head to. I've been going in circles in certain aspects of my life. Other aspects were are great, and I was shown that. And um, I was able to see that very early on, and it was beautiful. It, it showed me first off everything that I had that was incredible. There was the, and everybody prefaces this with it's very hard to describe in words. Obviously, it really is, but it was incredible. You know the the lights or the patterns and the the beautiful the beauty, and it was just I was being drawn to it, almost like I was a part of something so much bigger than myself that was connected to just infinite amount of of everything and i felt my essence was on the ride was enjoying it was was you know being a part of it and then there was a part of me which was later identified as the ego that was just kind of narrating what was happening almost like i don't say judging but just like not fully letting go for the experience you know and it was like the essence of me was on this ride, almost like I can explain it as like a wagon, just flying through space and time and just beauty and light. And there was this kind of like, it's, it was like an old man, just in the back chirping. Oh, now we're going through this light. Should we see the light of the dark? And like, I kind of felt like myself with my family, my children. I didn't see them, but it was like an energy that they were all with me, all the like beautiful people in my life. And we just kept shishing the old man. I don't know if you guys heard me. I was shishing a lot. I kept just going, shh, shh. Like, you want to be here? Okay. But be quiet. We're, we're going to go see this. We're going to go appreciate and enjoy this right now. And no matter what I saw, it was just beautiful. Like, you know, at some point, certain, some of the shapes maybe turned into like red eyes. And, and it was all okay at that point. It was all okay. I was like, okay, that's okay. There's bad. There's good. There's, it's all connected. It's okay. You know, just just go. We're having a good time. This is beautiful. <clears throat> and then at some point while I'm in this abyss, I, I ended up at a place that was low. It kind of felt like I was going inside, like physically, like down into the basement. And I was able to see like, um, it was kind of like a darkness. It was shapes of, of objects, but they were alive. And they were cold and abandoned. And... I don't know how you translate it, but it, it was my emotions that I was hiding away my whole life. They weren't, they weren't 
actual experiences, memories, traumas, none of that. It was just neglected emotions that were withering away. They were like pipes that were rusty and cold, and they were looking up at me, and I felt so bad for them. I felt so much compassion. And they were looking at me like, you abandoned us. You neglected us. You left us here to wither away. And I was, it was like I was flying over them. It wasn't even like, and I just felt so terrible. But I didn't know what it was yet at the time. It was just like, I just felt so bad for them. And I, I, just, I just kept moving. I just kept moving. I just kept going and for the experience. And then, you know, just taking off the blindfold. And suddenly it was just beautiful light, you know, with my eyes closed, putting it back on. And then dark light. But it was all amazing. And, um, you know, I had a cold... It's been lingering. You know, like you said, it's good to be sick. Maybe when you go into these things, um, <clears throat> I was feeling fine. Just this last residual cough that wouldn't go away from me. And I, when I was coughing during the experience, I feel like every, any, any body part that moved had a meaning. Everything was, I was seeing it visually of what it represents. And as I was coughing, what was coming up was just darkness, dark negativity. That was buried deep, right? It wasn't on the surface. On the surface, things were very good. But it was this darkness, and I can see it so distinctly. It was, it was just, it was there, and it was bad, and I was coughing, and it was, a, I don't know, it's, it's like a wave of just darkness, and there were shapes, and there were eyes, and they were just coming out and coming out. And then I was just thinking about my immunity. I always say weak immunity, you know, like, you know, I exercise regularly, I eat healthy. But for some reason, when my kids come home sick, I catch it, my wife doesn't. You know, I'm getting, my friends are always telling me, you're getting sick too often. You know, it doesn't make sense. And I was able to see it as not a physical disability. It was a, a just negativity that was sitting there, deep, deep down inside. It was a blackness. And that's what the cough was. And then at some point, you know, I have my shoulder impingement, lower back pain, and you know, while lying there on the pillow, if I felt a little bit of pain, again, that pain presented itself as blackness. It was just black. It was just bad darkness. And I was able to see it so clearly. And at some point, I was in my house where I live. And I mentioned this, that I, in the yard, there, there are some banana trees and they haven't been doing well. The banana trees have been sick. And I've been watering them, and I've been you know, cutting off the bad leaves. And I was able to see that same dark energy spread out of me, under the house, into the ground, everywhere around me, and on the trees. Almost like that darkness that exists is an energy that, whether I put it out or not, intentionally or purposely, it's, it's there, and I'm putting it out. And I know that I'm, I'm, you know, a happy, optimistic person in general. I'm not, you know, pessimistic. I'm not dark in any way. You know, I look at bright things. I always, you know, try to stay positive as much as possible. But clearly there's a darkness that I was suppressing, a negativity that was, was just deep. And it was affecting me, obviously. <laughs> and affecting everything around you. Everything around me. And I was, I was almost too scared to see how it's affecting my family, my kids. You know, like I was saying, my kids are getting sick, but like, you know, they're kids. And like, I'm good to my kids. You know, I take care of them. I love them. I give them love. And, but there's so much more that's going on beyond what I can see. You know, I'm talking to them. I'm hugging them. But where, where's my energy? 
and, and I noticed it, you know, last night when I was putting my, my boys to sleep. Usually I, I lie in the bed with them and then, um, you know, I, I start singing and then I pull out my phone, right? I'm here for, I don't know how long when they're going to fall asleep and I'm, I'm going to sing, but I'm, I'm on my phone, right? But I'm singing, right? They're hearing me sing. They're going to go to sleep and I'm, let me just kill some time. Let me send an email. And in that moment, it took me back to realize that, yes, there's the act of just singing, the voice coming out, but there's an energy that you're giving them that's beyond the action. So I put my phone down, and I was singing to them, and I watched their eyes close, and it was, it was just different. It was different. It was, I felt like I was giving them me, all of me, not just... Your presence. Yeah, not just, oh, let me sing to you, go to sleep, let me get out of here and on with my life. I was there. And uh, it, just, it just showed me that there's so much more that we're not seeing on the surface, obviously, and how much it was affecting me. And, then, uh, and that's when it took me deeper, <laughs> much, much deeper. You know, at the time, I felt like I needed to go to the bathroom. I felt like I needed to pee. And, um, it right away made me think, you know, I've always had this, oh, a small bladder. You know, my friends always, always laugh at me. You know, every time we get in the car to drive somewhere, like, oh, I got to pee. I'm that guy. You know, and I always kind of blamed it on those long bus rides when I was backpacking, those chicken buses for, you know, nine hours straight with no bathroom and, yeah, holding it in. And But then suddenly I became very in tune with it, with the feeling, with the... And suddenly it brought me back to my childhood home, our little one-bedroom apartment, uh, well, one-bathroom apartment, you know, with four siblings. And the memory of waiting for the bathroom. Six people, one bathroom. You wake up in the morning, everybody's got to go. And just waiting. And everyone's screaming, oh, I need to go to the bathroom. Oh, you've been there for so long. And, and I thought, okay, so that feeling of holding it in, but that wasn't it. Suddenly my mind took me to a relative's house that was much bigger than ours. And in the experience, I remember being in their basement and their second floor and their third floor and I didn't even know there were so many rooms. I didn't even know what was what. And then I was like, why is that, you know, relevant? I spent time in that house. And then it would take me back to my house waiting for the bathroom, back to their house, back and forth. And then like my uncle's face kind of envisioned. And then, you know, my parents. And then suddenly it all just started coming together. That I was past intentionally or not, obviously not intentionally, but it's, it's what we do. And I was past some type of resentment, maybe. Or, or an envy or just a bitterness about what they have or what we don't have or what we have to deal with and they don't have to deal with. It was deep. It was a very deep, you know, it was something I never felt before. And I realized it wasn't mine that I was feeling, but I was able to see how much it affected me, very physically and mentally, obviously, but that was one way it just manifested itself. And once I started going there, it was taking me to other places, other, other parts of, um, I don't know if you call it imposed trauma or passed on trauma. Or, and, and I just started to think about, you know, you know, the person that it came from. And the first thing I felt was just immense compassion for them. I love them, obviously. It's, it's apparent, you know, I love them with all my heart and soul. And, and I started to think about what they went through and, and where it may have all come from. And I just first and foremost, felt compassion. And, and 
you know, not in a selfless way. I wouldn't even say that, you know, in regular day to day, if I was in a situation and somebody calls it to me, maybe I wouldn't feel that, you know, that's what you're supposed to do. But in reality, I don't know if I would, you know, maybe I'd be understanding, but really I'd be focused on like what you did to me. Mm. In this case, I didn't feel that. I didn't, first thing I felt was just immense compassion and sadness. And I thought like, I got to fly and go meet this person, just hug them and talk to them and tell them it's okay. Like, it's not your fault not for what you went through, not for what you passed on to me unwillingly. It's not your fault. You're okay. I love, and that, that's what I felt. And then once that phase kind of passed, it, um, it kind of started showing me so many aspects of my life that were tied down by that, by that person's trauma, by the parent's trauma, you know, by, by what they went through. And, and, and certain things started to come up that I remembered, you know, as a child, they were telling me a little bit of this, a little bit of that of like, oh, I'd love to have this, but, you know, I'm not in control of that. Or, oh, I'd love to have a house, but I don't take control. That, you know, they don't want to take care of that. It's not, that's not me. Almost like the bitterness, like, like living in the bitterness, like, oh, it's okay as long as it's not my fault. You know, it's, it's okay as long as it's not my fault. And it's, it was seeping into me. I can see it. I can feel it seeping into me and how it's taking effect in my life. And I was starting to see in examples in my life, the feeling of, oh, I don't deserve it. Or if I don't, if I'm not successful in something, it's okay as long as I can put the blame on someone or something else, you know? Oh, oh, I did my best. But the circumstances, you know, I can give you an example. You know, I, I, I created this little web series with the friends about dogs. It was really funny. It was cute. And we had no marketing plan. We, we were the creatives. We put it out there and we just put it out there. The next step was to hustle and marketing. Go, no, I don't have time for that. So I, ha I had my excuse. Oh, I'm a father. I have a full-time job. Oh, but I tried my best. You know, people who do this usually have a marketing budget. So it was like, almost like, oh, it's okay. As long as you're not the one to blame. And I, I and I was able to see that where that was coming from, that parent who almost started, to, you know, obviously went through a lot and started to bask in the suffering of like, oh, I don't deserve any of this, but it's not my fault. I have the truth. I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm okay. Without realizing that obviously they weren't okay. And, and obviously it, it really affected me, you know, and, and I started to realize in a very practical sense, like, you know, we recently, you know, moved into a house. And we came from a little apartment to a house and it's just great. Our lives changed. And I realized every time somebody would come visit us, they'd be like, oh my God, this is great. And the first thing I would say is, oh yeah, yeah, but there's no big spaces in the house. Oh yeah, we still don't have a couch there. Yeah, the kitchen is a like, right away I'd put it down almost like I don't deserve this. No, 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 it's not as good. It's, it's like, I don't deserve this, you know? And, and obviously when you're talking in, in, in any aspect of your life, like, you know, the book, the, the, the giant leap, uh, the upper limit problem where we kind of limit ourselves. That was me. It's like, I'll, I'll go into something with like, you know, complete openness and, and dreams of possibility. And then during the process, I'll create a ceiling where this is where you stop because you don't deserve more than this, you know? And, and, and I realized it wasn't mine. It wasn't mine. And th throughout the journey, I, I, I heard myself saying, let go, it's not yours. Let go, it's not yours. Everything that came up, I just said, let go, it's not yours. You know? And um, at some point, it got very hard. Mm. 
very hard. Here comes the fun stuff. <laughs> very difficult. It, um, I don't know how to describe it. Mentally, things were going very fast. It was taking me very fast to, to places and showing me things. And I started to physically not feel so great. You know, I was maybe trying to reach for the water, but reality and, you know, my mind was, it, it wasn't, they weren't really um, connected. And at that point, I tried to call out to you guys. But I had no idea if my voice was, was making sounds, if it was making any sounds. I was trying to clap. I wasn't, not, it wasn't working. And <clears throat> the first reaction was loneliness. I'm alone. You know, I'm in this alone. And, and this, I don't know what's going to happen from here. And then right away I thought like, no, they care about me. They do. You know, I, I know them. They care about me. They're here, but they need me. They want me to go through this mm. alone. This is, this is your fight. I'm a father. I'm a husband. I need to push through this. And I fought. And I fought, and I died. <laughs> Literally. I, I saw the dark. I saw just darkness. I felt, I was able to hear my breath just silence. And, and the shapes or anything I was seeing was just stationary and dark. And then I just felt this immense feeling of exhaustion. I felt just completely exhausted. Really, no, really tired. No more resistance. And then it just, that was it. That was you said it. the word surrender, it just started to pour in. I just started getting insight of everything that I was just shown, all that, that pain, that understanding, the, 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 um, the revelation. It just started to come together, what I, have, what I have to do, what I have to look at, what I have to see. It just started, everything started to make sense. And first thing is I have to talk to this person and that person, and, and I have to work through this and that. And, um, and then I think at that point I started going into the stage, what you said, the two hour stage where you can sort of direct it. And the interesting thing was <clears throat> I was trying to direct it to areas that I thought I had questions, you know, from the beginning, you know, I had my intention, mine got rid of that in an hour. Here's your intention. You're great. You have the most important thing. You got your family. You know, you're going the path. Oh, so in terms of the intention, the answer for me was, it's funny because that was supposed to be the most significant part, but it ended up becoming the simplest part, which it's was... supposed to be, right. Yeah. <laughs> and, and at some point in the journey, I was looking for my path, looking for my path, and then suddenly I was on this ride, this beautiful ride, and I, I can hear laughter, you know, of people with me. And the message was very clear. It was like, it's really, really much less about what you're doing and more about the journey uh. and the process. That's right. It really was. And I thought about, you know, different, different times and different places and, you know, just being around good people, doing something that you can be proud of, doing something that the process brings you joy and fulfillment. That's your path. Right. And then it quickly took me to where I needed to deal with. And it was, it was a clear message where, you know, whatever, you, whatever thing, you, whatever you plan on doing in your life, if you want to achieve any success, first and foremost, you need to be healthy mentally. You need Absolutely. to be a healthy person. And after that, actually, after the hard part, I also thought so much about my children. I kept thinking like, you know, thank God I did this now. I mean, this is so important for me to see. You know, 
I was thinking, you know, people always say, oh, I'm becoming a dad. Um, should I read a book? Should I this? And I was thinking, no, they have to, they have to do this. They need to, you need to work this out because this, ha- this cycle needs to end. You know, where I got it from, where, where that trauma was passed on to me, it came from somewhere else. I know it came from somewhere. I came from, from people who suffered even more. And they were good people, but they passed it on. And I'm like, the cycle needs to end right now. My, I need to give my children a, an environment where they can grow and self-express. You know, be there for them, but just let them grow into their own people. And, and I still don't know the answer. And that's, that's one of my, or if not the number one, I would say mission I'm on right now is to really dig into that is how to be a better parent. And not, and, and, you know, if you asked me the other day, you know, are you a good parent? I would say, yeah, you know, like everybody, I try really hard, but yeah, I'm really close with my kids. We're, we're a really tight family. I love them. I'm, I'm, you know, on the ground with them all the time. It's great. But then I realized that even with your love, you can be passing over your trauma. You can be passing over your baggage, even through your love. Absolutely. And, and I just thought, like, I need to understand whatever it takes, whatever, whoever I have to see and whatever I have to read, whatever. I need to understand this so that I can be the best parent, which means allowing my children to grow. And then, you know, I, I, I had a memory of, you know, <clears throat> when I was a kid, I wanted to buy a certain pair of sneakers. And my, you know, my mom was like, no, you can't wear those. They're not appropriate for whatever reason. And I, and I remember feeling hurt. It was, that was my self-expression, you know? So you felt a certain way and it wasn't malicious in any way. It was what you truly believe what was best for me. But as a child, for me, it was a simple form of expression. And I wasn't able to get that. And I realized even we go to the shoe store with my children and they pick out a shoe and we're like, oh, that's too nerdy. That's too this. Oh, this is a better brand. And like, yeah, there's obviously you're helping your children now. You don't, you don't want your son to pick out big pink Crocs, maybe to go to school on his first day, you know, but at the same time, they need to express themselves and we need to be there to encourage that. And, and I need to understand what that balance is. Um, that was probably, what, if not the biggest takeaway for me, obviously the self, the self work that I need to take on. Um, and, and of course, how it affects everybody around you. But back to the, the two-hour part where you're kind of steering things, all the answers for other aspects of my life that I tried to steer to, it would, it would show me a few things here and there, but it kept taking me back. Back to the trauma, back to the imposed trauma, back to the, the negativity, the, the, the emotions that I was packing away. And it was, tell, it was a message that, all these things are great, you know, spirituality, uh, success, growth, all that's great, but it all comes back to the foundation. You need to build your foundation. You need to get healthy in your mind, which will effectively make your body healthy. And that's when you can start real growth. Mm. And it was just so prevalent. It was so clear to me. And it was, I was just com- completely content with that. You know, I, I, if you had asked me before, what I thought the result would be. If I had to picture this conversation, it would just be, it would be 90% of it would be different. You know, I think of spiritual revelations and, you know, all paths and things like nothing. (laughs) But when I was shown what I was shown, it became so abundantly clear that this is the most important. This is something that I've been ignoring literally my entire life. And it's been consuming me in every aspect of my life, personally, professionally, in a very subtle and sometimes you know, not so subtle way, 
but it was there. It was just unbelievable. <laughs> wow. Wow. Um, you've laid out so many fundamental truths that we all, in sharing this human suit that we're temporarily wearing, need to hear and or experience. Um, because frankly, they're game changers. Had you had only one of these takeaways, I would say, wow, great success. Like, awesome, you know? And you're hitting um, on four really major touch points um, if not more. Um, yeah, so, wow, where to start, right? It starts where it ends. All of the great awareness came after the great surrender, this thing that you call death. You were able to let go and surrender on such a level where you recognize the end of things, and that's where everything begins. You know, if only that one, if only that one, if only we can hold on to that one concept, it would eliminate like 90% of the fear that we're walking around carrying around. We're scared of the end of things, but nothing really ends here. It's reborn, it's rebirthed. What we see as a conclusion sometimes is the very fertile soil that is required for the next thing to spring up out of. We're worried about relationships ending. We're worried about jobs ending. We're worried about lives ending. And we try to hold on and hold on. But what is it that we're really holding on to? We're holding on to all of those associated um, shadows and rusty pipes, right? And we're holding on to everything that's inappropriate because we don't know any better. But when we get comfortable with this concept of rebirth, we shed the illusion of death. Because everything's just reborn. It's all rolling out cyclically. Nature's teaching us this all the time. We're just unwilling to listen, to learn from it. One season compels the next. And much is uh, the same in, in, our, in our life, in our journey. When we're finally willing to let go of certain concepts that are no longer appropriate, we usher in the rebirth of new things. And so this concept of ego death is so popular and 
it's repeated throughout not only the psychedelic community, but I mean, it's, it's so mainstream right now. And, um, such a wonderful teacher it's such a wonderful teacher, but it's just our desire and willingness to let go, to surrender on the deepest levels, to surrender the self, to surrender these concepts of who I think I am, um, the greater the surrender, the greater the awareness that comes springing from it. So that's really where the magic happens. That's why everybody talks about it, because once we're finally willing to let go, you know, we get to shed all of this heavy stuff that we're carrying around. And in that process, we become lighter. This enlightenment they speak of is just our willingness to let go of all that baggage. And how do you let go of it without being aware of it? And we talked about this previously, and it's, you know, people get caught up in the letting go. What am I supposed to let go of? And what do you mean surrender? Surrender means waving the white flag and give up. I'm not giving up. I'm a fighter, etc., you know? And we've been holding so much stuff that we don't even know what we're holding on to. And as you identified, some of it's generational trauma. I didn't even do it. How am I supposed to let go of something I didn't do or I don't even know exists? Well, the first step is let's find it. Let's become aware of it. Let's become aware of what we're holding. Which means I have to look for it. But that's really uncomfortable. And we don't want anything to do with discomfort. So we run the other way and we'll use any tool at our disposal to try to hedge against this, uh, these moments of uh, discomfort. But that's where the magic happens, as you've experienced. So there has to be a willingness and a desire to, to start that process of seeing myself with everything stripped away. And when we're willing to go inside, when we're willing to look, we find it, we see. You don't need a trip for that. You can just sit down. It's all wanting to come out. And it's all wanting to come to the surface, but we aren't comfortable with that. And as soon as we start to feel it coming on, it's like, we'll do anything to get away. This generational trauma gets passed down unconsciously. And as you identified, especially being a parent, the last thing we want to do is saddlebag our kids with all of this heavy generational trauma that's been rolling down the mountain because no one was willing to do anything about it, because no one could do anything about it. Because perhaps they came up in a situation or a time where they didn't have the tools or resources or ability to do anything about it. I mean, if, if we look back generationally, every generation prior to ours had it harder, had it tougher. Not too long ago, we were doing unspeakable things to one another. Not that we've totally stopped at this point, but it was really heavy. And so our ancestors that were going through some of these time periods, which weren't the most favorable to humans, had to repress a lot of this stuff, had to pack it away, couldn't deal with it, had to fight for their lives. And all that stress, all that drama, all that trauma, it was unresolved. 
and through every generation coming up behind it, being rebirthed again, just it's this concept of nothing dying because if people would die, they would die with all their stuff. And that generational trauma wouldn't be a thing. They would just die and everything that you had inside your bag is getting buried with you and that's it. We don't have to worry about it. But the fact that this generational kind of daisy chain of pain keeps flowing downhill to every next generation, it's kind of the same indicator saying that, hey man, none of this died. The form changed, but all the stuff, all the stuff in the bag is just getting passed from one generation to the next to the next until somebody's willing to unpack it. So they don't pass it down to the next generation. So once you're aware of that, you're like, oh, wow. You know, the responsibility's on me. The responsibility's on me to unpack this stuff and address it so I don't not only pass it to my kids, so I don't pass it to the banana tree. Because it's here and it's coming. And it wants out. And it's just waiting for someone to give it the opportunity to express itself. Once it's expressed, it's no longer repressed. And then it's able to pass on and evolve and create the conditions for the next thing to spring up. Because it doesn't die, it just transforms, it changes forms. So all of this stuff gets passed down, sometimes by choice, sometimes by lack of choice, various reasons. But ultimately, if we're aware of this, now we're empowered to do something about it. And much in the same way, we want to pass all the good stuff over to our kids. We pass all the heavy stuff because we're just unaware of it. It's unconscious to us, so we can't preclude it from kind of flowing down to them. So to the degree we're unconscious is to the corresponding degree we're about to pass the bag to the next generation and the banana tree and everybody else involved, everybody around us. True power comes from recognizing this cycle. Because as soon as you recognize it, now you're empowered with the information to do something about it. Now it's on you. You can choose to do something about it, or you could say, hey, this is too heavy for me, and I'll just let the next generation deal with it. But that, uh, that awareness is, uh, is key in doing something about it, and this is where kind of integration comes into the picture. Because now, okay, you have the awareness, but what are you going to do? You know, are you going to take ownership over it? Are you going to be the one that breaks the chain, that breaks the cycle? Or are you going to say, hey, kid, you deal with the rest? It's a very hard decision to make, right? But when it comes down to it, most of us are willing to step up so we don't do damage to everything and everyone else around us. So the integration of that awareness is nothing more than intention-driven action. So integrating that awareness is basically doing something about it and doing it for the right reasons. The highest intention, as you experienced, as you started off with, was kind of unconditional love. Like you saw all the shadow, you saw it all in the basement. And you're like, oh, it's okay. I recognize you and it's okay. And I might not have caused this condition. I'm not necessarily looking to identify who did or where it came from, but I'm aware of you. And if you're in pain, I love you. I don't care if you're mine, his, hers. You you kind of recognize the oneness of it all in that moment. And of course, you're going to take ownership over it. Of course, you're going to take responsibility because you can. And that's what unconditional love is. Unconditional love is acting without any type of expectation of outcome or wanting anything in return. Just because you can, because you're filled with love, because you are love. How can you not love? How can you not share and offer it? It doesn't get diminished as you give it away, as you give it up. In fact, it gets replenished. It gets stronger. You get more of it still.
So this concept of unconditional love is what it takes to heal the generational trauma. And now if my cup is full with love, that's all I have to offer anyone. And that's the exact medicine that everyone needs, ourselves included, and everyone that came before us that passed it all down. Because again, it wasn't their fault. It just, it just came down the daisy chain for them. And they couldn't handle it. They couldn't deal with it. And they had to carry that burden because they couldn't do the work or weren't able to or weren't aware of it. A myriad of reasons, but it doesn't matter because here I am. Here I am being made aware of it, knowing that I have the strength to deal with it because I am love. I'm tapped into a wellspring of it. It's unlimited. And the more I open myself up, the more I'm filled with it. And the more I offer it to people because that's all I have. So the further and further we open ourselves up, the more we're filled with this quality that can heal everything, that could bring light to the shadow, and the shadow can't exist anywhere there's light. To do this work, to heal ourselves, and that's where it starts, we have to just keep our heart open, because that's the conduit for the love to come through. Now what happens is, we experience pain in life, we experience trauma in life, we experience these uncomfortable moments that we don't want to feel again. So we shut our heart down because we don't want to let it in. We don't want to let the pain in. We don't want to suffer. We don't want to deal with it. And as soon as you start closing your heart, as soon as you start building these walls, not only are you preventing the sadness from coming in, you're preventing the love from flowing out. And then if the heart's all walled off, then it's not getting what it needs to replenish. So by closing up our heart because we don't want to feel the pain, we're also closing our heart to the love. We're also closing our heart to all the compassion, all the care. So the trick is to just keep it open. And it's okay. It's okay to deal with those difficult moments because that channel, by remaining open, is going to get fed with everything it needs to. And those difficult moments, they come and they go. They manifest and then they dissolve. Everything's coming and going. So being able to deal with those challenging moments while keeping your heart open will transform it. It's kind of what they call this uh, concept of uh, transmutation, turning something unwanted into something very favorable. And it happens in the heart. The heart's where that transformation happens. We have like no choice but to surrender to the ego because the ego is there saying, I'll protect you. I'll take care of you. I'll put up more walls. Let me do it. I know how. And then uh, the walls get built higher and thicker and deeper, and they're great at you know, keeping everybody out, but they keep us trapped inside. And then we can't see a way out when there's so many walls. We just can't see a way out. And we just say, oh, okay, that's the way it is. The hand I've built and dealt. So, you know, it's amazing when folks are willing to just take a sledgehammer to all those self-imposed limitations and restrictions. And as you start, you know, chipping away at it, you get deep enough where there's a crack in it and the light shines through and you're reminded of what was in there in the first place. And then your mission basically becomes to rip all those walls down. And you're willing to accept the pain and you're willing to accept the discomfort and you're willing to accept someone else's story and, and everybody else around you because you understand that all of that is fuel. It gets converted into, in, in, into fuel, into the very fuel that you need to keep going, to keep kind of sharing and keep doing this work. And the pain is transmuted into love. 
And the fear is transmuted into love, and it's all just converted. And then after a little while, that's all you got. You're just full of it. So you can't help but share it with everybody else because that's all you have in stock. That's all you can talk about. It's all you got. And that's why it's so important that we share these conversations with one another and with our, with our peers, with our society. It's so important that we share our challenges and our difficulties and our struggles because that's the reality of what's going on here. And that's where we can all kind of find this common ground because we're all sharing this human condition for just a moment. And many of these common denominators that we share in this human condition revolve around our fears and our pain and our suffering and our separateness and everything that has us feeling trapped and locked up. And as we share this and as we express this, it all gets converted. All that shadow just dematerializes because we're bringing the light of awareness to all of it and we're willing to talk about it. We're willing to put it out there on full display And everybody else that's out there hurting right now in this moment will gravitate to that and be there to share in that process. And once we start unpacking all of it and we're unpacking it together, we start feeling lighter and lighter together and we start feeling better and better because, you know, we're all becoming aware of what we're holding. And then it falls away. It's no longer there. And then we can share a much greater message with everybody else. And it's the exact remedy. It's the exact medicine that we need in today's day and age with social media and all of the promotion of separateness and the false happiness that's being marketed and packaged out there. That's exactly what the times are calling for. First of all, thank you for sharing. Thank you for putting it out there. It's, it's so critical. It's critical to your process and my process and our process as a group. And it's great for other people to hear this because they're going to resonate with so much of what you experienced and what you said, and we'll be able to relate to it. And you, by unlocking this within yourself, are unlocking it with all those other people that are hearing your story and relating to you. Because now they're like, aha, wait a minute, that makes sense. That clicks for me. I have this too. And now they wouldn't have been aware of it had you not become aware of it. So you're impacting so many other people just through your own experience. And that's why we should put focus on living introspectively as much as we live externally. Because once you unlock a condition within yourself, should you be willing to share it, you're going to help unlock it for other people. They don't have to take a deep dive. They don't have to spend, you know, four or five hours in, in, you know, pain and agony, twisting and turning, you know, to be made aware of this. So thank you for having the strength to do this for so many and for helping so many. It's like the network effect. Everybody will start getting lit up and becoming aware at a much greater pace than previous generations thought was possible even. You know, with the parenting thing, that's, you know, you're saying I can just pass it on. I don't want to pass anything on. It stops here. There's no question about it. <clears throat> on our first conversation, you know, I told you, like, I'm looking for a path. You know, I, I want to do better, have more success to take care of my, my family. <laughs> and you said, what do you know about what your children need? And that was probably <clears throat> my number one outtake, was like, you can give your children anything materialistically, even emotionally, you can... You can be there and go with them, drop them off at school every day and put them to sleep every night. The most important thing you can give them 
is the, their own freedom to grow, their own environment to grow. And that means stopping the generational trauma. And it has to stop. It's nothing else that you give them will mean anything if you affect the way they grow, if you affect the way they express themselves or how they act or what they believe, what they feel. None of that's going to change any of it. And might make it worse. <laughs> yeah. You're putting them in a box and it's not a box of their choosing. It's a box Absolutely. that you've been handed down that you just, you know, yeah. weren't necessarily aware of. And my ego tells me I'm doing a great job. I'm doing better than my parents. I'm giving them this freedom and that freedom. I'm doing this better than them. But really, it's just, who's doing that? It's my ego who was conditioned by previous generational trauma. So I'm still doing it just in a way that I believe is right, just like my parents believed it was right, just like their parents believed it was right. But the only thing I know more than clear than ever is it needs to stop now. So in terms of questions, you mentioned a lot, you, you know, you touched on that, you know, being open and but anything to stop it, to stop it, to be there for your children, but not without passing that on. Once we become aware of this really fundamental truth, you're going to look for every possible pocket, nook and cranny that you could have hit something in. That anything I'm holding on to that's lurking in the shadows is going to get passed down to everything and everyone around me because I can't help but preclude it because I'm unaware of it. Then you feverishly start going at this internal work to search through this self ego included, it's a part of it, until you find the deepest and darkest recesses where you could have possibly hid anything in the first place. And like I said, there are many tools. I mean, you used a really great tool that got a lot of awareness realized in a very short period of time. And you can complement that with the basic tools. I mean, it's this foundational work. It's, it's diet, sleep, exercise. It's taking care of ourselves the right way. It's you know, everything at your disposal, if you put in the right intention, could be used as a tool for self-awareness. Meditation, a sauna, talk therapy, uh, exercise, um, approaching life thoughtfully, planting something, getting your hands into the earth, in the ocean. These are all forms of surrender. If you're willing to bring the surrender to the table, if you're willing to be present and thoughtful about it, instead of allowing the mind to play its game of thinking about tomorrow, and ruminating in yesterday, and coming up with all these far-flung ideas of how it should be. It is how it should be. Like right now, it's all perfect. If you'd just be willing to surrender that egoic trap of thinking it otherwise. Oh, this hurts too much. This can't be perfect. But it's that very pain, it's that very discomfort that's bringing us somewhere, that's creating the right condition for love to spring. So how could I say that's not perfect? How could I want to preclude myself from something just because it makes me uncomfortable when I know it's the very discomfort that brings me the awareness that I need to allow this to pass? So as I say, letting go is the natural order of things, but we just have to be aware enough to not hold, not to hold these concepts of how it should be. Like it's unfolding right now perfectly. Get out of the way. Like get out of your own head to think it otherwise, and you'll see the magic of the moment, no matter what the moment looks like. The good, the bad, the ugly, the heavy, the light. It's like such a divine perfection, but our ego thinks it otherwise and wants to play this game of protecting us, and it thinks it knows how it's doing. Meanwhile, it's hurting us by putting up all these walls and not letting us see the moment, not letting us be in the moment. 
So should you supply purposeful intention to anything that you do in life, whether it's cooking, singing, playing music, being with your kid, putting him to sleep and not being on the phone or thinking that he has to go to sleep? It's like, just be present, just be there in the moment and everything will unfold righteously, perfectly. And it'll fill you up with the very kind of essence of who you are, that love. If I'm taking care of my banana tree, but my mind is not present, my mind's in, let's say, the future thinking about the bills that are coming in and what I'm going to have to do tomorrow and creating this model of something other than what's going on, I'm no longer here in the moment with the tree. I'm not giving the tree the very essence that it needs to grow, which is, again, love and care and compassion, presence, all these qualities makes everything grow. If our physical body is here, but our mind somewhere else, we are in a state of imbalance. And nothing could flow through that because it's not a straight line. Because body's here, mind's somewhere else, and spirit's completely somewhere else and wants something totally other than what's going on down here. So you have this one straight channel that's been cut into three pieces. And in that state of imbalance, there is no harmony. And there is no intention. There's a lack of presence. And should we do anything with purposeful intention, we transform rituals into something spiritual. The intelligence in the system is such that it self-heals and self-corrects and self-propagates. If we allow it, just get out of the way. Just get out of the way. So simple. Let it be. Let it unfold. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please share it with your friends and family. Subscribe, rate, and share so that we could do our part in spreading the light and diminishing the darkness.